Welcome to the Full Circle Podcast, Finding Your Way Home. I'm Jillian McMichael, your host, and welcome to another episode of our season six of the Full Circle Podcast. So today I'm in conversation with Beverly Frey. Now, Beverly is a transformational life and wellness coach. And along with that, she also specializes in supporting her clients through matters of money. Now, Beverly is also an author of this amazing book called Permission, which I would encourage you to have a read. And this is all about giving yourself permission to live your life and do business in your way. So we're going to be talking around Beverly's learnings along her journey, how she supports her clients, and more than anything else, what's happening in the world of money and life transformation. So all you need to do is sit back and enjoy this conversation. Welcome, Beverly, to the Full Circle Podcast, Finding Your Way Home. I'm so glad you're here, and it's so nice to meet you and do this in the studio. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Gillian, for inviting me. We are here to talk all about transformation. We're going to talk about the work that you do with your clients, specifically supporting females, and we're also going to talk about your book and anything else that comes up. How does that feel for you? feels brilliant. Awesome. So why don't, I mean, obviously I'm going to do, I will tell everybody who you are and everything in my intro, but why don't you share with us a little bit more around who you are and what you currently do? Okay. So I'm actually Beverly Frey, known as Bev. I actually do life and money breakthrough transformation with women, supporting women to actually look at their relationship with money and holistically work through that. So actually what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask us to rewind a little bit Mm. because I know that you've also been on your own journey and transformational journey as Mm -hmm. well. So why don't you take us back a little bit to when you first got interested in doing this kind of work? Yeah. Well, what I like to to talk about is the fact that I actually had a background in banking and finance, worked in the city doing finance and broking in the early 80s. And I think for me, my money story or the addition to my money story came with being made redundant at the end of the 80s with the first I would call it for me the first financial crisis Mm -hmm. and going through the journey of learning more about money even though my parents had taught me something there was still a lot of life lessons (laughs) that I I needed to learn and redundancy can be one of those situations where when it comes to you, it's a li- it, it can be quite painful Absolutely. and add to your trauma because then you're feeling as if you've been rejected. Mm-hmm. So well, walking that journey, moving, being made redundant twice in that industry, and then finally making the decision to look at, you know, who am I? What do I want to do from here? And I know my heart-centeredness. I really felt very passionate about people and moved into a totally different space, moved into working in charities Mm -hmm. for over 30 years. Which is a long time, completely (laughs) different, yeah. So from a a charity perspective then, what kind of, what what service was you offering and and what kind of work did you do then? Right, so I worked with a charity, which many of you may know, Citizens Advice. Mm -hmm. And just interestingly enough, my work was finance, debt management, And also I did a lot of stuff around financial capabilities because Mm. there is that 
I want to call it lesson of being in debt, but actually sometimes people can't see the wood for the trees yeah. when they're in debt. So it was very much about teaching and supporting people to understand their relationship with money yeah. and actually start not just to educate themselves, but to also think about if they were families, start educating their children mm. about what money is all yeah. about. Because it's interesting, having had debt myself, you know, obviously when my first business went bust and everything, and I was left with £97,000 worth of debt from my ex-husband and a range of other different things and had nothing, I, I, you know, I felt completely paralyzed by all of that and not really knowing where to start. I mean, obviously it's been paid off now, but but that took a long, long time. And so tell me how you would support people because a lot of people, I mean, that's a huge amount of debt and not everybody's going to have that level of debt, but a lot of people do have credit card debt. Um, they, you know, buy things on HP and all that kind of thing. So how did you go about kind of educating and, and helping people understand, I suppose, in essence, to build that different relationship with money? Yeah. I know I'm pausing because I, I realized even for myself, as I talk about my own story, is... It's accepting the reality mm -hmm. of the situation and then making a decision in terms of how you're going to deal with it and yeah. what support. It's very much about talking about money. Mm. And even in the work I do now, what I'm finding is, is that very often people have this illusion that it's because people are not working yeah. or it's because... Um, People haven't made financial provisions, but what I'm actually finding now is people who are middle income, mm -hmm. who would have considered themselves to be rich, yep. um, well off, are actually the ones that are, are what I call the hidden, yeah. hidden problematic cases mm. because they're not talking about their finances. They're not seeking solutions and the hiding is the biggest And from a issue. human kind of psychology perspective, human behavior, what makes people maybe hide their debt? Just from your perspective. Yeah, there's, there's lots of different things. I think when I look at it, it depends on your relationship with money from, from the very beginning. Yeah. So we have those who are, you know, spend. And if you're a spender of, and you, you feel quite guilty being, you know, saying of, I've got no money because actually I've just spent it on stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that sounds, and then when you think about it, they spend on stuff and then consider the bills after. Yeah. Yep. And then we have those who are savers. So they never spend any money. And there's actually, when we look at all the different categories that there can be, there's a story that comes from a story from childhood in terms of what was said to you. So very often savers, their parents might have said things like, I can't afford it, got no yeah. money, mm -hmm. um, can't spend that on you. And sometimes spenders came from families, not necessarily all the time where there was a lot of, a lot of la lavish yeah. behavior. You go out, I'll pay for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, spendthrift. Mm. Mm. 
It's a really interesting, isn't it? Because I'm just as I'm starting thinking about what was my messages. And I remember my dad always saying, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, you know. And when I would ask for things, he'd say, oh, just go in the back garden there and just pull off that money from the tree. It's obviously quite sarcastic. Um, but, you know, I was always um, taught to live within your means. Yes. You know, yeah. so when I had that experience, I you know I didn't know how to cope originally, and then I did. I mean, got a plan and got support and all of that kind of thing to break it all down, and then paid it all off. But for others, like you said, the when people maybe not maybe accepting it or maybe not talking about it, because I can only speak from my own experience, and this is maybe an assumption for other people, but I felt a lot of shame and a lot of embarrassment. And do you think that is that a common theme? It is a common theme, and. You see, that then creates a, what we classify as a money trauma. Mm. It adds to the trauma and the belief that you've, you've held on to yep. um, from the past. As you were saying, money doesn't grow on trees. So actually, if it doesn't grow on trees and I can't plant it, then I'll never have any. That's really interesting, isn't it? So obviously, we're going to get right into this. This <laughs> is a really interesting topic because what I'm noticing at the moment, you know, we're supposed to be in a recession and I know a lot of people are struggling. But, you know, when I also look at going out on a Saturday afternoon, maybe bobbing into the shops or something like that, people are spending, spending, spending. And I'm wondering from your perspective, you know, even though we know that we should be careful with what we're doing at the moment, potentially, what's making us keep doing what we've always done? Spending, if you are a spender, I mean, we look at all the different categories and when we talk about spending there is either that you're spending because you've budgeted to yeah. to have those weekend treats or spend that money and or you're spending for what we call retail therapy mm -hmm. but there's even a bigger bigger challenge with some of the work that i've been doing over the last year around consumerism yeah and uh, you know, finding out, you know, last year I did some work and finding out that we are programmed to spend by what we see. That's really interesting. Tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so adverts. Yep. Advertising billboards. Mm -hmm. They teach us to want yep. what we don't necessarily need. But we go buy it anyway. We go buy it anyway. Mm -hmm. And then we look at it some of us look at it and three days later we think why did i do that even if we've got the receipt and we could take it back yeah we we just hang on to it and throw it in the bottom of the the wardrobe that's fascinating isn't it sometimes most probably never even if it's a piece of clothing never even maybe even been worn mm. so obviously the work that you do feels to me quite important especially in terms of where we are in society and so forth and i think that consumerism is i would absolutely most probably agree with that yeah. although i'm not certainly i'm not an expert um, but just from my own kind of observations. But tell me more then a little bit, because obviously through, after moving on from Citizens Advice, you then moved into becoming a, a, a transformational coach. Yeah. At the same time. And obviously that's where we met. Yes. Um, so, so tell me about your transition, because with that, I'm, I'm assuming goes your transformation too. It does. It does. I mean, I'd been in the work um, for a really long time. Totally. In, I really enjoyed what I was doing. But for me, uh, there was quite a lot of things going on underneath. There was a crisis for me happening underneath that. And also, I kind of looked at all the skills and looked at my values. And there was just things I, 
I couldn't do, couldn't manage the work. The work was getting heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, I, at 50, I was uh, assessed and um, reported in terms of dyslexia. Keeping up on computers was just a nightmare for me. Yeah. Um, and many clients I speak to who are my age, where we came from an age where we did everything on paper, mm-hmm. wrote everything. Uh, for me, it was a computer blindness, and yeah. um, you know, I openly, I openly talk about that to make it, it people who have a challenge with, with that feel safe. Um, but also, I think in that, where am I? Where am I going? Yeah. Goodness me, you know, I'm heading to, and I'm now, you know, a, a, an older age, <laughs> thinking it's got to be more to life than this. I love it, and. And for me, and I know a lot of people, and I say this, um, you know, with my heart on my sleeve today, I know that a lot of people who are in the, the, the services like, like I was, Citizens Advice, um, I've also worked for Food Bank, mm-hmm. I've also worked for the charity crisis. So again, it's, you know, that I have been the route. But nurses, mm-hmm. firemen, sometimes, we stay in the jobs because our heart is in it of and course. we know people mm-hmm. need help and yep. we stay. But for me personally, and I have to be realistic, I looked at all the experiences I'd gained along, along the route and realized, wow, what I'm being paid for what I know is ridiculous. And the books won't balance if I mm-hmm. keep doing this. Yep. So I, I, mm-hmm. I had to make decisions I also realized that I wanted to help people in a different way Mm. Um, do the same work maybe gift some of that time to community groups church other organizations but then um, I would say valuing myself enough to charge my worth yeah and from the money I then make from my clients to to reinvest that 10% 10% or 20% back into the holistic yeah. flow of money. Yeah. And so in a way, would it be fair to say that as you have now shifted into running your own business, mm-hmm. that you um, are now more confident about asking for your worth? Oh, yes. Mm. And you do that with a big smile on your face. <laughs> because oh, I think yes. that's quite hard. When you've gone from employment into then Mm self-employment I think sometimes it's great to sell a widget Mm -hmm. because everybody knows whatever that widget might be Mm -hmm. but what you're doing is you're selling yourself absolutely and I think that's quite a hard transition to begin with so how did you over how did you manage that and navigate that for yourself okay so I smile because one of the things I realized about myself as an employee was I went to work every day but I treated my my job as if I was a CEO of that, of that task mm-hmm. that I was doing. Mm-hmm. So what I found for me is that I built relationships with management and my colleagues and kind of was like that bridge in the middle. Right. So I, in the workplace, I always call myself an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I call myself an entrepreneur and I've won awards around, around that in 2020. 2021 mm-hmm. because that's what I believe you know you you've got to go to work and treat your job as if it was your own business 
starting there if you are you know if you are an employee and thinking actually i want to think about self-employment or i want to think about starting a bigger business you have to have that mindset that you've got to be in business you are your business mm -hmm. absolutely you are the front of your business so i always went to work with that attitude of um, yeah, i'm coming to work but actually i'm in the business of showing beverly mm. frey first of all yeah and then taking that through in terms of how much do you value yourself and value what you know and um, for me before making that decision i i have an exercise that i use with with the clients to say put your name in the middle of a piece of paper mm -hmm. and then put down everything that you've done like a, a spider's chart and if you can and give yourself a half day and just look at it you realize that not just um, the things that you've done but the courses that you've invested in mm -hmm. how much have you invested in yourself yeah some of the ladies say wow thousands you know 50 i didn't realize that over 10 15 years i've invested this is what they they will say 5000 10000 15000 mm -hmm. and more invested in courses so if you've made that investment in yourself stepping back and saying well if i divided that up and i wanted to charge my worth mm -hmm. what's the minimum amount i would want to charge for what i know it's a really interesting way of looking at it isn't it actually i've not even done that exercise for myself so i might actually take that away and do it for myself because i think i've invested a lot <laughs> over the years but i think it's a great idea because i think it does show you mm -hmm. actually where your investments have been yes and then i suppose that can help determine your worth yeah so it's interesting because what I'm hearing then is that you are supporting mainly women, but others as well mm -hmm. around their debts, their money management, their relationship with money, mm -hmm. helping them um, transform their connection with all of that and actually mm -hmm. build a better life for themselves. Mm -hmm. And some of those clients will come with, with debt and some challenges around money. Mm -hmm. And then you're charging them for a service. Mm -hmm. I can see the the rationale behind that obviously mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so how do you present that because i'm sure there are other people out there that might think well i've got all this money i, I mean i've got i'm, I'm in debt I, i've got you know I, I can't pay for a service like mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. so what would what do you say to those people so there's two angles here in terms of the two aspects of the work that i do and that's why when i'm if i'm doing the the debt mm -hmm. and that aspect of work that usually comes through I would call that my my giving. Mm. So that's through the schools, the church, yep. other community organizations. And very often those community organizations might have mm -hmm. a budget and will work to their budget. Yep. But very often the clients that I'm working with who are, could be potentially CEOs of their own companies, yep. um, women, uh, high flyers, executives, who have just not taken the time to look down to see where their money is going. Yeah. We very often find that when they go away and do the work that I, I give them to do, there's a lot more money in the budget. Than they originally thought. Than they mm -hmm. originally thought, yeah. 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 Because I'm a firm believer that actually there is that universal exchange and I'm sure, I know mm -hmm. I think that you feel the mm -hmm. same way, but I think it's very important that actually if you're having a service, yeah. then there needs to be some transference of 
the exchange. Absolutely. Because that is the universal law at the end of the day around mm -hmm. giving and receiving. Mm -hmm. And it's and obviously you're doing a lot of that pro bono work mm -hmm. through the church and through the through your connections and so forth. So when we think about your purpose then as a coach, how would you describe that? What would you say that is? It's a really big one. Go for it. It's got two aspects and I think for me, one of my brothers died in 2019 and through his passing, I kind of said, right, it's time again to stop and reevaluate the things that I'm doing. Mm. And then obviously 2020, which gave us all a time to sit back. Yeah. And for me, my purpose really is, I mean, for me, my number one uh, word, if I was to have a word, is really love. And I know that people will say, wow, that's a woo-woo word. But actually, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, that's a starting point in everything. So when I think about what I'm here to do, my, I know that I'm here for people to have conversations, deep conversations, not just things on the surface where I'm mm -hmm. going to say something to please you. We're now at the stage where we've got to go deeper. We've got to tell the truth. We've got to tell our stories what I've realized is, is that the more I'm out there telling my story, the yep. deeper story, and it is a deeper story, a lot of childhood trauma, lots of stuff there. Every time I tell it, one person's, it could be just one person's life has changed, mm -hmm. but actually by me stating what I need to, that can help somebody to get on the bridge yeah. and the pathway to opening up. Yep. and and working and moving towards the work that they need to do so it's quite it's quite deep and quite profound mm -hmm. and I realize that money is just one as, aspect, aspect of, of it, it. Mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. um, but it's the one that I'm kind of comfortable with but also it, it is about the transformative life strategy mm -hmm. and personal well-being yeah. which of which money, life, absolutely, the whole thing mm -hmm. comes together. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you know that you, sh I mean, you don't have to share too mm. much about your own personal trauma, but mm. it, it feels like you have, as I've said, you've been on your own journey. And I'm, I'm yeah. wondering when you look back at that journey, what things have come up for you and, and, and where is that maybe stretched or challenged you? But also yeah. what have you learned from those? Yeah, so it's only in the last, maybe in the last 18 months that I pinned a situation that happened around money is a six-year-old losing money in the school playground and the upset from parents at the time and the punishment that went with that. But then actually, as I, I talk more about child abuse and stuff like that, it actually opened up for a perpetrator to actually use the pain that I was in from thinking that my parents didn't love me mm -hmm. to actually what I classify as groom me mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I talk about that openly because when I work with a lot of people there's a lot of childhood and I'm talking deep trauma yeah. around money that they need to release absolutely so I'm I've made a conscious decision that in love in 2023 every time I speak it's got to be from that place of truth yeah. and passion mm -hmm. to change somebody else's yeah. life yeah yeah because it is interesting, isn't it? And, you know, that messaging that we have mm -hmm. from being very young, it, you know, it is what informs us. Mm. And I think, you know, sometimes as you grow older, 
I believe it's quite difficult sometimes to break free yeah. from that messaging, yeah. from the expectations, mm-hmm. from that conditioning. And, mm. and it is conditioning because, yeah. you know, and it's not to say that all parents are horrible and they're wrong because I'm a parent, you're a parent. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you give what you can give and you do what you can do and you do the best you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think we have a responsibility Absolutely. Around the messages that we do send. Yeah. yeah. And I think when, I suppose, when you're dealing with your own stress and strains, it makes you less compassionate, less thoughtful mm. of the words you use, the mm-hmm. phrases you use. Mm-hmm. Would, you, would you agree with that? I would. I would. And I think, but I think what's really interesting, and, I, I, and we have to just use this as a measure, I think 2022 has allowed people to, to stop and say, I yeah. haven't been telling the truth. Mm. I need to open up to somebody. I, yeah. n- I need to move my pain forward. Because sometimes I think within a lot of people, we all know, and probably I'm making an assumption. I know for myself, I sensed that there was more that I needed to say. Yeah. And maybe the route of work that I was going to go down was not really the right one. So being honest and even doing other things, I do so many other things, but to, to bring this to the forefront and bring this message of it's time to have those conversation, navigate those conversation, mm. talk about the things that are hurting your heart, really. Mm. But those are quite difficult. That requires yeah. courage, right? Because, yeah. you know, I've, I, I understand completely and yeah. I, th- I would agree with you. So there's two questions got, but the first one is, is what is it then about 2022 that you think is making people more courageous to be more authentic, truthful, and honest with themselves? What shifted, do you think? I, there's lots of situations that came up last year, and obviously, you know, sometimes, and I don't know whether you do this, Gillian, but sometimes you're listening and you're thinking, mm, I don't think you're comfortable with what you're saying to me right yeah, now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want the person to then be able to say, actually, I've said that, but realistically, yeah. it's this and or wanting to go that deep because when you go that deep you, you're shifting you're you're moving the Richter scale I just think if you're young then they probably won't understand but I think for myself I'm thinking we don't know how long time actually is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for any of us yeah so why waste <laughs> so why so why so why waste yeah. with going around in circles and I know mm-hmm. for myself that was one of the things you know go around in circles and cover it over and yeah. Gl- glisten it up and make it nice but actually opening up the box mm. can be painful you then have to make the decision well how are you going to deal with it for some people coaching mentoring is enough but for others it, it yeah. could be as, as we know deeper therapy work of course with counseling yeah. other therapies yeah mm. no absolutely well I, I think what's interesting is that I think more, I agree, I think more and more people are wanting to speak up and mm, to be a bit mm. more honest with themselves. But we know that's a journey. It is. It doesn't always happen overnight. And you can have, you can start off by thinking, oh yeah, I can do this. And then go, oh, and can start to shrink yeah. away again, yeah. can't you? And yeah. I think and I think that is about then the commitment, isn't it? And I, and I do feel though that, and tell me if I'm wrong, but from my perspective is that you need a good either support system in place so whether that's family community friendships mm-hmm. or whether that is the help with a coach or a therapist or somebody like that even a mentor yeah. um to talk to absolutely 
because it can feel, I think, when especially when you're dealing with um, those bigger um, issues that are impacting your reality, mm-hmm. I think it can be quite difficult to find that safe space Absolutely. to be able to talk freely in that way. Yeah. yeah, and that I know for me in terms of the coaching and mentoring is just like we're doing here, it is... I'm not going to be asking you loads of questions. We're going to have that conversation. It's got to be a conversation. It's got to be yeah. real for you to feel really safe yeah. um, in the container space that I'm, you know, making for each of those clients at every session. Yeah. yeah. So tell me this too. So, so tell me then, first of all, I'll go back to you if that's mm. all right. You obviously are now speaking your truth. You're mm-hmm. sharing more around your own journey and mm-hmm. your experience. And we'll come to the book in a, yeah. in a moment because I know you've been, um, been involved in a really nice project um around writing and 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 sharing some of your experiences and so forth but what have you learned about yourself Mm. by showing up being true to you well sorry big question yeah but but i think it's uh, an important one it is an important one and um yeah i suppose even now i feel a bit tearful because i'm thinking when i first spoke to yourself in 20 Oh my goodness, I can't remember. Yeah, early, 2015, yeah. Mm-hmm. 2015 or something like mm-hmm. that. I, I rang because I thought, gosh, I've got to change. And you called me back and we had a brief conversation. And even, I know it sounds, people will say, what's she talking about? But even for me to become a coach, as Gillian knows, it was a longer journey because I'd been an advisor for so long. So what I wanted to do as a coach was I wanted to advise and advise and advise and actually had to stop and really go into a different space. It's learned me, it's it's taught me a different kind of compassion. It's taught me mm. to, to listen to my client's soul. Very nice. Tell me just a little bit more about that so that our listeners can understand that a little yeah. bit more. So we could be in a conversation and... Gillian uh, might say something, but I pick up on the energy mm. of the word she was using, and then I can actually ask questions about something she just said mm-hmm. or a movement that she did, which gives me the feeling, and my intuition says that something she's saying there isn't it, it's not true to her. Let's let's question into that. Let's let's explore that really deep and. It could mean that there's tears. It could mean that there's, wow, mm-hmm. how did you how did you know that? Mm-hmm. So really exploring things from, from the soul. And, and obviously it meant for me in my learning that I had to then go to my soul mm. and heal and work on my own soul. And towards the end of last year, I actually was on a training and we were t- talking about ego how ego is there to keep us safe Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and in the reflective work and the meditation work that we did on that day I actually created a a poem which I'm you know they've just said to me Beverly you need to publish Mm -hmm. this and I read it to the group and there was a lot of tears a lot of wow where did you know you're dyslexic where did those words come from Mm -hmm. I said they just came through me and when I got that message, it made me realize that all the work I do, even around money, et cetera, there's a deeper soul work for me to do mm. to support people with their healing. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. So it's, it's so listen deeply. Mm. 
and pay attention to maybe what your soul is calling forth. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, I, I love this language. <laughs> it gets me excited. Um, but I know some people find that a little bit more challenging. They so, do. So for me, it feels like there is something around trust. Definitely. Have faith mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. whatever. doesn't matter in what that whatever. faith is. It, we're all different, aren't yeah. we? But um, have some kind of faith. And if anything, faith in self. Absolutely. And to trust that you will get there with it. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. So there's been quite a few lessons learned. So tell me a little bit then about the book, because um, obviously you was involved in this really lovely project. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you said, somebody with dyslexia, only finding out at 50 that, you know, you have dyslexia, which is very challenging yeah. um, and can be, I know that can be challenging. So tell me how this came about and what it meant to you to be involved in writing in the way that you've done yeah so I think for me what that journey was was well it was about pushing my own boundaries it was about getting and actually what's in the book is not all of what I wrote Mm -hmm. this is just a a, yes it's just a segment yeah it's just a segment Mm -hmm. of of, a chapter is it mm, yeah mm. and it, it but I've got more pages at home that could form another book, but a deeper book mm. about about my experiences. It was a challenge, right? Oh, goodness me, am I going to ever get these number of words done? It was a beautiful process. It was a healing process. And I know a lot of people who, who write say that writing is medicine, mm-hmm. real medicine. I found it, I found it challenging. But when I then saw my words on paper and the first book arrived, you just feel um, just just I'm just in awe of all of the men and the one woman that, that came together sharing their ideas in terms of life and business. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the book just gelled together really, really beautifully. So it's called Permission, which I think is a beautiful name and also has very mean you know it's very meaningful isn't it because Mm. I think the work that you do the work that I do in many senses we're encouraging our clients to give themselves permission Permission. to do things yes um which is amazing and so when you look back on that piece of work and I said there's maybe something else in the pipeline who knows yes again what stood out to you is there any insights for you as you went along the way yeah I think as I wrote it and even coming here today I was just reading my chapter as I was coming along and I realized that rather than going around in circles I've got to keep stepping forward I've got to be more visible Mm -hmm. how that will be uh it's just writing down and saying yes this is this is what I want to do but also I've become more mindful about my my I want to say my vision board and and the visions that I've always held and now bring them closer, faster. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Mm. So as we draw our conversation to a close, and it's been a pleasure, really interesting conversation. If people are struggling, mm-hmm. if people are feeling overwhelmed, which a lot of people are, yeah. what advice would you give them as a starting point so that they can start to get maybe feel, either give themselves permission or mm-hmm. get themselves back in a space of maybe just control for a moment or two? Yeah. I think if that's how you are feeling or you know your situation or you want to, I want to say, bolt the gate before the horse Mm -hmm, horse mm -hmm. goes running, you need to 
let's start with thinking about a strategy. Okay. And you may want to, first of all, grab a piece of paper and write down all the things that are coming and the money that's coming in mm -hmm. and all of the things that you know that you're spending on. If you're looking at your finances and you're thinking, we've, we've got to be realistic and know that the challenges around gas and electricity and yes. all the other things that are going on now that have just put up the cost of living, mortgages, you've got to be realistic and say, yeah. I need to get some help. Where can I turn to? Yeah. So ask for help as well. Mm. Would that be something yeah. you would say? Yeah. Yeah. And don't just sit there and feel, because I, I think people might feel that they're a bit more isolated. It's only happening to me. And I think sometimes when you, you realize that actually you're not the only one going through this can you're be not. even quite, quite helpful in itself. Yeah, yeah. You're not the, you're not, they're not the only one. They're not the only one. And feeling safe mm. um, to actually say, this is a situation. Because what I found all those, you know, nearly 30 years ago plus now was going to, and I actually went to an advice center for advice and guidance and when I went, it, when we looked at the structure of everything I was paying out for, it was going to be okay, mm -hmm. but it would take a little bit of time to sort out, but it was going to be okay. That takes a pressure off you. Yeah. That takes a pressure. And if you've got to think about working, doing whatever you've got to do every day, being able to see your finances um, on a piece of paper and then get to support to, to deal with them in takes a takes the stress off yeah that's really useful help mm. thank you for that so get a strategy get things down on paper understand what's coming in what's going out mm. um seek help yes. it's always good to talk yeah and get yourself in a safe space to be able to do that and whether Absolutely. that's with somebody an advisor or a coach or yeah. somebody who can can provide that safe environment for you mm. and i think the other biggest thing is is the truth is actually not to feel shamed or embarrassed about it, but actually just to be open and honest about your personal circumstances. That's right. And yeah. where you are. Yeah. Brilliant. So Beverly, where can our listeners and people get hold of you and where can people buy your book? Wonderful. So in terms of where you can get me, I am on LinkedIn as Beverly Frey. I'm also beverlyfrey.com. You can find me there, leave a message and we'll get back to you. And in terms of the book, the book, I will uh, give Gillian a link, but the book is actually available on Amazon. Perfect. Permission to do life and business your way. Wonderful. Oh, thanks so much. It's been a really great conversation and love chatting to you. Thanks, Thank Beth. you so much, Gillian. Well, what a great conversation that was with Beverly Frey. I hope you enjoyed it because I certainly did. And it really reminded me around some of the messaging that we get from our parents as we're growing up. So when we're younger and then we move into adolescence, then into our adulthood, how some of those messages and our relationship with money in particular, or even our own belief system can be informed by our early years. And actually what's interesting is that we don't need to continue to hold on to some of those messages. We can create new messages that can be really helpful. I loved how Beverly talked around being honest. And I think this is a really interesting concept. You know, truth and honesty have always been around. 
But more so than ever, people are now wanting to talk more about what's going on for them, their emotions, their feelings, their well-being, their circumstances, and how important that is to give yourself permission to be open and honest with yourself. And if you need help, don't be afraid to get it because there's no shame, there's no embarrassment in reaching out to help somebody help you build better relationships with your money and your wider life. What was interesting from the conversation with Beverly is that as she's progressing in her own personal transformational journey, and this is what's really struck me and resonated with me, is that there's a calling there deep within her soul, that her job is, yes, absolutely to help people, but more so help people in a deep and more meaningful way where she's inviting her clients to listen to their soul and to understand what their soul is calling for and needing. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. I think there's some really interesting thoughts in there and definitely some insights. And I hope you can apply some of those to your life because I know I certainly am going to do the same. Mm -hmm.